to handle the phone call from my wife in between the break. Pretty good, right, Jax? I thought so, yeah. Yeah. It's 11 months. 11 months for my baby girl today. And she wants to put a, you know, a photo collage on Facebook because that's what people do at 11 months. Because she does it at every month, right? <laughs> it's like she's like sending me photos like, Hart, which one do you like? I'm like, I'm doing a radio show. Can we, can we please, can we, we're trying to lock it in here. Can we, can we do that? Is that okay? But it was more the idea that it was like, is you just send you all sorts of these photos. And, uh, I don't know. It's kind of reminds me of like when we were dating and she'd send me different photos of us together and they would just be the same photo. And it's like seven different versions of the same photo. This is where guys suck because she can tell the difference in these photos. I can't tell the difference at all. I'm like, there, there's seven of the same photos. What am I looking at here? What's different? I'm like, I think they're all awesome. And she's like, well, what do you think's great? I'm like, well, I, I, you sent me 12. I hearted them. Let me in. I want you in a little secret, Jax. Okay. She sent me like 10 different photos of my, my daughter. I think they're all great. Right. But you can't say they're all great. That doesn't work. You got to be very specific. So I randomly just chose five that I thought I just like, like meaning my meaning, many money, mo. Right. I just, I just like picked random five. I guess I picked the wrong random five this time. <laughs> well, I just send them over. If I, anything I like isn't going to be good enough. I don't know. Think I think I'm actually going to go through and like decipher these. I, I can't figure out the difference. I got to show you some of these in between the break. They are. It's, a, it's the same photo ten times. I think she might be messing with my head right now. I don't know. That's the game. That's the game women play. They just want to mess with you sometimes. She's going to send me ten of the exact same photo. I'm going to tell her which ones I like, and she'll be like, oh, "Can't be those." It'd be like if somebody gave you. Like six yellow M&Ms and was like, hey, tell me which one's your favorite. I'm like, first off, the color doesn't matter anyway with M&Ms. And number two, they all taste the same. They taste the same. They look the same. What am I supposed to do that's different here? But you saw I handled it. right? By handled it, I mean I said, yes, yes, uh, yes, wife, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for tolerating me on a day-to-day basis. Thank you. I know I'm a lot. I'm a lot as a human. I think you guys have put this together. I'm a lot as a human. Anybody that would marry me, you're taking on a lot. Uh, because basically I watch way too much sports. I, I'm a very invested dad. Uh, a very invested dad. I'm, I, I think I'm a loving partner. I think I'm a lot of good things. But I also know I am a lot as a human. I am a very, I'm a complicated person. I am not the easiest in the world to completely just be, uh, you know, sharing a life with. But, uh, yeah, I think I got this one. I think this one is fine. I, I failed the man test of just being like, hey, pick five, heart five, go from there. All right, now let's get to the fan focus. All right, fan focus to lead us off today. It is going to end up being Ken and Anthony, as the two of them discuss Baker Mayfield's success. You got to answer the question. Would we be better off right now had we had held on to Baker? Careful I answer it. You don't want to give away everything we know. I know. The other part of it is, of course, even if you kept Baker and then got rid of him, you have all the draft picks, you have that endless cap space because you would not have committed all the money to a quarterback. So you would have committed some of that money to a quarterback. Well, are we are we assuming they would have just kept Baker? God, it was Why either Baker or Deshaun. Why did he have to play? Why did he have to play with a broken shoulder? It, it, if he doesn't play with a broken shoulder, like none of it's a conversation. He what, still plays with the Cleveland I know. It was it one big test to see if he could play with with those with those issues. I mean I, I think that was part of it. Like the organization just seemed to allow it to happen. But you know, we've we don't need to relitigate that today. We know. Well, because I the only thing I think of is well can you play hurt? Because that's probably gonna be part of the deal. Can you play well hurt? That's gonna be part of the deal. And the four interceptions against Green Bay. Against Green Bay on Christmas, 
the pity pitch, told the, us all oh we need to know. God, I, I'll never forget that. Well, we know he can play. Mostly because I had COVID because you gave it to me. <laughs> On Christmas. Merry Christmas, Ken. Merry Christmas, that's what studio. You, that's what you earned that yeah, year. Have some COVID. That's have what you COVID. got. Yeah. Give me nothing but COVID and a hard time. I don't think Ken's right about that, actually. I really don't. I, I feel like even if he had sat out that season, he would have played, and then uh, we would have got to the same conclusion. Because I, I, I really do believe the Browns would have just came to the idea that, or even if he didn't even play that next year and they just went along their business, I, I, I think they would have gotten to the idea that Baker was a fringe top 10 quarterback, and that's what he is right now. He's a fringe top 10 quarterback. He's playing a fringe top 10 quarterback. He's 12th in pass rating. He's top 10 in touchdowns. He's a fringe top 10 quarterback. And I think Andrew Barry and them were just shooting for more. I, I, they looked around and they saw Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. And I think they just saw that the AFC was going to be so stocked and stacked with really good quarterbacks that in order to ever make it just to an even an AFC title game, you had to have a big-time player. And Baker Mayfield, although good, they didn't think he was great. And that was the that was the move that they made. So I, I think we still get to that conclusion. I, I think in hindsight, maybe it'd be a little bit different now. But at the moment, at the time, I, I, I believe with my heart of hearts, it's what they were thinking. All right, next up, Nick and Dustin. On Dustin's Joe Flacco jerseys. Do you feel the same way about wearing your Joe Flacco jersey today as you did at about Saturday at about 429? No, I, I, I don't feel. I mean, I was like, yeah, it kind of sucks that I wanted to wear it for another week. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted Joe to get us the playoff win, and that's what I thought he was going to do, and it, it didn't happen, but it doesn't matter. It's like, dude, I've got a Todd Gurley jersey in my closet. Yeah, the but, Rams. And how often do you pull out the Todd Gurley I mean, if for instance, I, I I do have a lot of jerseys because I always we have a big Super Bowl Super Bowl party every year, and typically our team's not in it. They're never in it. Um, point being is like I always kind of kind of like find a team that I'm going to bet on, and then I'll buy a jersey of that player, and I'll I'll have it. Like I've got it. I've got a Brady Patriots jersey, a Brady Bucks jersey. Are you are you so you're going to wear the Joe Flacco to the Super Bowl party this year? No, because the Bills are going to be in it. Yeah, well, I listen. I I don't know what you do with the Joe Flacco jerseys. He put it out on Twitter that he bought the Joe Flacco jersey. I don't know what you do with it. Joe Flacco is not going to be a Cleveland legend. He's not. We thought he might have a chance to be, but he had to win the playoff game, just a playoff game, and then he'd be he'd be a Cleveland legend. And when people said Super Joe, it wouldn't just be Charbonneau. It would be Super Joe Flacco. Like there was a real chance and opportunity that that was the case. It's not the case. He is going to be remembered. The same way, and I debated this last week, and I'm just—I turned out I'm wrong on it. He's going to be the—he's going to be remembered the same way as Lynn Sanity, as Tommy DeVito, all those guys. It's a—it's a—he's a shooting star. It was a flash in the pan. It, it is not something that we can talk about for 25 years from now. It's going to be one of those things 10 years from now, where when Joe Flacco goes into the the Ravens Ring of Honor. Maybe even five years from now, when he goes in the Ravens version of their Ring of Honor, and he gets he goes into uh, has all those big time Baltimore days, and I don't know, maybe he does TV or something. You're gonna look around, and be like, I remember when Joe Flacco played for the Browns, and there will be kids in that room that you're talking to that'll be like, that never happened, that didn't happen. It's not gonna be remembered. It won't be. Maybe by old heads like me, by the time I'm 50, 60 years old, I'll be like, oh yeah, Joe Flacco once a Brown, and they'll be like, who the hell is even Joe Flacco? 
30 years from now, he might even be forgotten completely by NFL fans, if we're being honest about it. <sighs> Sad. You get remembered for the big-time games. You get remembered. I mean, like, he'll always be remembered in Baltimore because he won a Super Bowl. You get remembered for the big-time games. you got to win playoff games. You don't win playoff games, you don't get remembered. All right, next up. Baskin and Phelps, the two discuss coaching changes across the NFL. I think it's really interesting that some of these teams are rolling the dice and getting rid of some really good head coaches or guys who have had huge success in the league, and you're betting that that won't continue or that they won't get it back. Are we just noticing that, though, more now because Bill Belichick's in the mix? No, I, I think there are a number of guys, Andy. I, th- I think there are a number. Most most of the time it seems to me that guys who, who get moved on from in the NFL – are guys who did not have success or who haven't really had any major success in their career. You know, like Ron Rivera has been an okay coach. Right. But you kind of expected Washington to move on. But there were times Ron's where like, had, oh, this guy's got it. He's, he's had some good moments. Yeah. Sure, sure. But uh, seriously, you, you're going to find somebody who does a better job than Vrabel? Maybe you will. But, man, that's a pretty good gamble. You're going to find somebody in Dallas Unless if you, you, if you, feel you like move on from against... McCarthy? Yeah, I think I think people feel like they will because think about it. When you fire so many good coaches, think about how many good coaches are going to be available. The pot gets it's it's more filled, right? Because now you have a Vrabel on the market. You're going to have a McCarthy on the market. You're going to have Bill Belichick is interviewing with the Atlanta Falcons. Think about that for a second. Uh, like there there are a lot of open possibilities for a lot of teams to really upgrade. Uh, I mean that's just the truth. When you fire good coaches, good coaches become available so you can hire good coaches. They might not be your coach, but you're basically playing a coaching musical chair uh, game as it already is. That's what the NFL is. Unless you hire a Bobby Slowick or a Ben Johnson, you're hiring somebody that has already been somebody else's garbage for whatever reason. They've already they treated that guy like days-old Chinese food, and that guy's got to try to get a new job. Mike Vrabel, because he didn't cheer enough for the Titans, I guess, during the Patriots ceremonies. Make up whatever reasons you want to, but there are reasons out there. You know, Belichick, because after Brady, he had four years with Mac Jones, and, and Robert Kraft is getting too old to wait that long. It's not necessarily Bill Belichick's fault. It's just the reality of the situation. It's a good coach still. Mike McCarthy's biggest fault might be that he's he was tasked with making a giraffe climb a tree, and the giraffe cannot climb a tree. And by that, I mean Dak Prescott might not ever be able to play in big-time games. It might have been dealt a losing hand. He might have been dealt 2-7 offsuit. You can't win with 2-7 offsuit. He could be the greatest bluffer in the world, but when the board gets painted Jack-Jack-Queen, somebody's going to have some action, and you're not going to be able to bluff him. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. It just they, that's Some of them made their own mistakes, and they made their own grave, and they got a lie in it. But most of these coaches out there, they're going to be picked up for one reason or another. Tomlin goes on the market tomorrow, and we'll talk about Tomlin later this hour because he's not going to go on the market tomorrow. But if Tomlin went on the market tomorrow, he's going to have suitors. But it's going to feel big across the NFL, and it's just the reality is it's just a lot of musical chairs is all. All right, next up. Ken and how he handled Saturday with his kid. When I was a young man, it would have been 1999. I was obviously older than Axel at that time, but... I love Dan Marino. My dad, biggest Dolphins fan you'll meet. And we're watching. They're losing to Jacksonville. And it, at that time, it's like 42-7. to 7. And I remember wanting to like, eh, I'm going to leave. And he stopped me and he's like, you're going to watch this whole thing. It's going to be his last game. This is going to build character for you. 
Now, that's probably a weird way to build character, but I sat there and had to watch it. The sprinklers came on in that game, I remember. I sat there and watched that whole thing, and it was Dan Marino's last game. And I thought about this when it was 38-14, and I'm going, this is it. This The game is over. They're not coming back. And there was about three minutes left to go in the third quarter, and I go, I should go get him. But I forgot to not let his buddy come over. His buddy's a good kid. His buddy doesn't care for football the way that Axel likes football. Now, I told you before, I, if Axel decides not to play football, I, I'm not going to stop him or anything like that. But he loves football. But I said, I let his friend come over. He's playing with his buddy. And I kind of wanted to grab him and go, you're going to sit here and watch the game. But I know his buddy is not going to want to hang out and watch the game. And I go, I've made a mistake. I needed to grab him, not let anybody else over. He should have sat in that chair next to me, and we should have taken this game in and and taken it all in, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is. That's tough. Good job by Ken, though, not forcing his kid to do that if his friend is over. Like, it's a good job uh, understanding the moment, because you can't embarrass him in front of his friend. His friend won't want to be his friend if every time he comes over, he thinks that he's going to have to be forced to watch bad football and bad football games. You could be like, I'd rather, I'm going to go hang out with Tommy. Tommy's dad doesn't make me do that. So good job by Ken there, understanding the moment. I don't know what type of lesson that teaches your son. Maybe I'll figure that out when my daughter gets a little bit older, what lesson that'll be. I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure. Forcing them to watch bad football doesn't seem like that's anything but, but punishment to me. But I maybe that's how you grow. I, I didn't understand that kids don't stay. I mean, I should have known this. I didn't know kids didn't like just pay attention for the whole entire game. When I was a kid, I watched. I so I my you know you guys know my mom is like the biggest Cubs fan you'll ever meet in your life. She is she hasn't missed a game since I was knee high to a duck. She watches every one of them, and that's not hyperbole. She is every one of them every single pitch. I didn't miss games. Like we just didn't as a family. We just didn't miss games, and we watched them all start to finish. I, I just thought that's how everyone did it, but I guess maybe everyone doesn't do that. Maybe kids aren't supposed to have that type of attention span, and maybe kids are supposed to just be able to go and like. Watch half the game and then leave the room and just kind of be done with it. I, I didn't know that. I, I just I watched everything, start to finish. It, it'll blow my mind if my kid doesn't watch games start to finish. But maybe that's more what I need to expect than reality. I mean, I turned into a kid that does sports radio for a living, so I, I guess it's safe to assume I like sports more than the average person. So I, maybe that's all that is. I, I really don't know though. All right. Lastly, here, Nick and Dustin on Browns fans mentality. You know, we talked a little bit about the hangover with Browns fans. How much of this is just Browns fans don't want it to be over because they don't think it's going to transfer over next year? Or that they're worried at the idea of a hangover? I think a lot of fans are, and I think a lot of fans are uncertain and scared because we just got this great run, 11 wins, playoff run, all that stuff, and then next year you're getting your quarterback back, you're getting your running back back, and if it falls short, then I think people are are really going to be not jumping off the bandwagon, but concerned because like you can't go from this season and then next season take a step back. All right, let me ask you that. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Are you uncertain and scared of what happens next year? What is the fix for this Browns team? We'll do that and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on the fan.